The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of The Paternity Test. I'm Todd Jay in the Chicago suburbs. And I'm Matt Barese in Chicago. And welcome back to the podcast that thinks it can pull off this sunburn in one continuous man-shaped peel. Man, I've got the weirdest sunburn this year because uh, I've been coaching baseball all summer. And so I only have sunburn on my neck and my forearms and my from between my knees and my ankles. Except that I wear like taller socks, so it's I, I have a really bad tan line about halfway up my leg and can't you uh, wear uh why don't you wear a uniform and then you're what do you call the what do you call the little stirrup socks that the baseballers wear oh yeah well th- we joke about that because Target socks there are the um yeah the stirrups you call them the stirrups or the uh the sanitary socks um i think I of the socks call them that the, well the sanitary socks are the ones that go under the stirrups because they're thinner so they call them sanitary oh, sure, socks yeah. instead of like because they're not you don't wear normal socks under those because too thick. Anyway, uh, we joke about that. What's that it, all about, anyhow? The stirrups? What's the functionality of stirrups and another pair of socks underneath? I don't know that there's a functionality to it, but I think it looks pretty cool. I love it when a kid, like, because all the kids wear long pants now in baseball. I love it when they wear a good sanitary sock and nice stirrup. Is it just a, an homage to some previous type of haberdashery? Like, is this just <laughs> oldie-timey baseball cosplay? <laughs> I think it is. I don't know why um, that was ever a thing. So maybe it had something to do with uh, maybe they served an actual uh, function, you know? I mean, stirrup, what would it serve a purpose for? Like a a bygone era when there was less of an elastic content to, or like a spandex content to the clothes, right? So it wouldn't all... Well, okay. Like, here didn't you all go. clothes require a complicated system of of garters and trusses to keep it up before? Well, they needed the high socks because of the everyone wore knickers, uh, uh, you know, back in the day. So they wore the shorter pants, and so they would start using these uh, stirrup socks to help display like team colors and stuff and logos and stripes. And so they would put the uh, that's what the stirrups did. These put it allowed you to have another team color. But why can't you just have a colored sock on? So you have your knickers and you have your baseball shoes with the cleats or whatever. Oh, here's why. So here's why you needed sanitaries. Because the <laughs> the color dyes that they would use on the outer socks would kill you. They were they were thought <laughs> Wait, to pose really? health issues. And uh and that way you could you could change you know you had a you had a you actually had a, a barricade between the uh, lethal dye on your outer socks <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your and then you could you could change the less expensive sanitary sock more often. There you go. Wow. Yeah, that was back when they used to swing lead bats. Le- <laughs> That's right. Until they were outlawed. To lead bat. I don't think that'd be very effective in baseball. Isn't lead very soft? <laughs> so it just kind of like <laughs> absorb the shape of the ball and then drop to the ground. 
Uh, you see what happens when Frank DeFord dies? We got to look this stuff up because there's nobody to tell us. Yeah, we don't have it. Yeah, it tells us why we're doing everything wrong these days. <laughs> I was looking today. They they showed the the White Sox. Uh, what do you call it when you wear oldie timey costume to the throwbacks. game? Uh, throwback game or a yeah, throwbacks. Mm-hmm. Wait, throwbacks? Is that what I mean? Yeah. When they have it? to back the clock night. Yeah, throw yeah not throwbacks. Just, not just throwbacks. Like here's our here's our. Bill Vec disco era, mm-hmm. you know, large collar shorts, red seventies outfits, but like let's wear the nineteen seventeen outfit, right? Yeah, no, they would do that. Yeah, that's the one. Remember when Chris Sale was on the team and he cut up the jerseys because he hated them so much? They wore the throwback that had so the, the collar. Back just hillbillies on the team. Yeah, <laughs> it was also like last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the throwback outfits are from the the teens. Mm-hmm. And they're throwing back to a time when baseball hats were not successful in keeping the sun out of your eyes. Oh, you know, yeah. With brims, they're a half inch. Well, and also the gloves didn't, you know, they wore these gloves that were just bigger than their hands, barely. And, you know, <laughs> couldn't. I'd love to see a modern game played with those original gloves and see how current players can do with those. Well, they'd probably break all their fingers because everybody throws the ball harder and faster now, right? <laughs> That's probably very true. Yeah, I think they were, they were all lobbed in back in the back in the twenties. You know, <laughs> they'd be lucky to get a sixty mile an hour fastball, and now they would just yeah. They all had a mild case of scurvy and you know, <laughs> had polio as kids and <laughs> trench foot from well, they the all, Great War. They all smoked in the dugout. That's right. You know, back in back in the good old days. Well, your knuckles were all really strong from bare knuckle boxing with Irishmen, so <laughs> you already had a natural callus. Well, they all had to have day jobs. You know, none of them got paid enough to actually live off of their playing professional baseball. So they all, you know, either they're factory workers or they are Irish boxers during the mm-hmm. day. <laughs> oh, make baseball great again. <laughs> More. Stirrup sucks with poisonous dye. <laughs> and now it's time for planes to catch and bills to pay. Whereas the kids pull the plug on us, we realize they've grown up just like us. <laughs> As those last beeps on the monitor go past. Doesn't that t- kind of take the edge off of pulling the plug on your old man, though, when you f- feel you feel that namaste, that, like, <laughs> I recognize the scumbag in me and you and the scumbag that you were in me. So, really, I'm just pulling the plug on myself. And don't I have that right? <laughs> exactly. There you go. See, now you've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. It'll make that all much easier for everybody when, when that day happens for you. We were, Kelly and I went to a wedding the other night, and uh, on the on our way home... Besides us, like, talking about, um, you know, we ended up talking. We knew nobody at the wedding except for the bride and groom. And, of course, they're busy, so they talk to other people. They don't really – they talk to us briefly. But uh, so we were there either deciding, okay, do we just keep to ourselves all night and just hide at the uh, – you know, just spend all night at the cupcake table or uh, – See, that's a real stress test on the marriage. And I think you could tell if you – uh, if you got a good marriage, when you go to one of those weddings where nobody knows you and mm-hmm. you got an obligatory invitation, if you're like, hot cha, we get a date, let's get drunk, let's steal some cupcakes, let's, you know, go uh, sneak off into the 
well, empty ballroom next door. I think little, we enjoyed it in that way a little bit, in that we, you know, we we drank and we uh, enjoyed the food, and uh, you know, we went off a couple times and like walked around the because uh, it was at the banquet hall. It was at the Roundhouse in Aurora, you know. The so there's lots of other oh, yeah, events yeah. going on. So we kind of walked through a little bit, but then we like I That's decided great about the Roundhouse. You can like kind of wander off mm-hmm. through brewery parts and yeah cigar parts and fire pits and like fight a minotaur and come back around to your event yeah and you're right back there and the so but i decided i was going to be social like i they the bride and groom seemed to purposely introduce us to a couple people kind of to say like this is who you should talk to tonight because you you know everyone else is like old aunt and uncles so uh so i just decided to ask them a ton of questions and like get them, you know, like engage, which normally I don't do. I would, I, you know, I would just sit at the table and I would eat my food and talk to my wife and, um, that would be about it. But I sit and glower at my wife while she glowers at me and we clutch our steak knives and, mm-hmm. and that's her making a horrible mistake. <laughs> so, but it was fun to, you know, we got some good conversation and, uh, you know, we had people we can, uh, you know, throughout the course of the night as we're passing by each other, like have, you know, inside jokes about the cupcakes and stuff or whatever. And, um, and then at what, the end of the night, gonna be Mr. Social, Mr. Mayor McCheese, you just lubricated or in summer. Yeah. Mode? I, I think uh, being a little lubricated helps being in summer mode and just kind of forcing my kind of forced it out of myself a little bit because I just wanted to, you know, I didn't want to be the, that guy part. Uh, this is a weird thing, but, one of the things I always admired about my dad is that he would strike up a conversation with anybody. Like, he wouldn't just sit there and, you know, be quiet. So I'm like, you know, why would I sit here and just ignore the people sitting next to me? At least I can maybe, you know, and, and it was cool because they live in California. We talked about they live in Los Angeles. They t- We talked about the fact that we just w- were there on vacation over the winter and this and that. And we talked about what they were doing out here and this and uh, so anyway, it was I'm sure this is not news to most people who do this, but. <laughs> you know, you you, you yeah, learn you know, interesting things. Doing there's people who don't. Melissa and I call that a space walk. And there's some people who yeah. are good at it. Your your old man being being a, a prime example. And some people who are completely averse to it. But like you're in a social situation, and instead of staying in the capsule with your own crew, you put on the spacesuit and you pop the hatch and you go out <laughs> on your tether and go experiment and you know get hit by satellite debris and then you come back to your table. Yeah, and uh, you know, with Kelly and I being the only ones there that we knew, we didn't have much of a choice. I felt like a jerk if I just sat at the table all night. So, and we we kept a pretty small circle. I didn't start going table to table and uh, introducing myself. You know. <laughs> so, anybody here from out of town? Yeah, <laughs> we'd like to see some close up magic. Todd J, damn glad to meet you. <laughs> I trust I can count on your vote come November. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, so, but anyway, it was fun. But anyway, and the point of this is on the way home, the, you know, the t- title of the segment, Bills to Catch and uh, Planes to Catch and Bills to Pay, uh, uh, somehow the song came up on the way home. Like, Kelly, don't you, have you ever really listened to that song? Doesn't it make you, make you sad? I think we caught the end of it or something on the radio. And so then I played it on YouTube, you know, over the car. We were driving so we could listen to the whole thing. And we get to the end, and she just, like, starts making fun of me. She's like, what do you mean? What's That's not sad. And I'm like, fine. Let's play Butterfly Kisses. Well, so then I put on Butterfly Kisses, and we start listening. And <laughs> as we're driving along, Butterfly Kisses, 
And I start crying. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> so Kelly's sitting next to me, and she just starts making fun of me. She's like, Todd, don't cry. It's okay. That's 10 years. You're like 10 years away from that. You you know, it's okay. You're going to be able to walk her down the aisle. And, uh, uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't help myself as I was, I didn't play that so that I could cry. I played it to make her cry. I'll show you for not feeling sensitive towards a song that makes me cry. I'll play a song that destroys me. And it's such a bad song. Such a bad song. (laughs) She'll change her name today. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so what's going on with you? Hey, I want to wind that back a second to when you're talking about uh, talking to the strangers at the wedding. I got a question. Is this a sign of emotional maturity? So we're sliding into middle age here, and we are, I think, pretty square with ourselves, right? I mean, you feel yeah. pretty good about yourself, and you are who you are. You're a developed, you know, realized adult human being. Yeah, I'm starting uh, to be older as older, older than most of the people at most things. So I feel like I have a certain level <laughs> mm-hmm. of, you know, yeah, of maturity and, and security. So you've got some agency in your life, got some purchase over the world around you. And I get frustrated now as a grumpy old man when I see teenagers, when I see shy little kids, when I see anybody who's not just like down to make small talk. Yeah. It makes me upset. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, let's just, <laughs> even if we're having one of those contentless dad conversations, like, how about that weather? Or uh, traffic sure is something. But the, the <laughs> idea that you can't turn to another human with whom you share this big blue marble and say, how's it going? How's that drink? Yeah. How about how about that band over there? It, it frustrates me. So the question is, is your ability to talk to strangers at this wedding a sign of emotional maturity, or is it a sign of your brain turning to slop, and is it the this next step towards saying puns to waitresses? Well, I, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good question, because I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think it's uh, some of those, whatever the chemical barriers that would keep me from doing that are are, are disappearing a little bit. But I think it is more... Uh, I, maybe those two are the same, but you know, the, the more secure you are and confident you are, the more if 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 you lean towards bad puns, the more you'll throw those out there at a Denny's. Um, but I think uh, I think yeah, I think having a, a sense of you know a certain level of security and confidence and just being like, this is who I am. Like, let's you know, let's chat. Uh, you know, it happens at. You know, it happens now. Now, some people could do that at any age. I was pretty bad at it early on. I think I think even five years ago, I probably would have just sat there silently and, and saying, you know, why bother talking to these strangers, you know, next to us? I'll never see them again. I'm yeah. not getting anything out of it. They're not getting anything out of it. Uh, are we at a sweet spot? Have we reached equilibrium between being a sullen teenager and being uh, being a blue hair who shouts loudly about how much they enjoyed seeing Carol Channing? Uh, as Dolly in the '60s, while they gather around the steam table at Drury Lane, Oakbrook. Well, I felt like it, I, I felt like it worked swimmingly, you know. And so, yeah, because <laughs> when we had to, we went our separate ways and did what we, you know. And then when we were back at the table, we'd say, "Oh, tell me, tell me more about that. That we know where you where you've been while you've been in town. You know, did you check out Portillo's? Yeah, you know, do you have, you know. So, I, I you know, without 
getting overbearing and like getting into the, you know, the awkward conversations of why aren't you, you know, why aren't you two having kids yet? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> oh, you're barren? Oh, that's unfortunate. So tell me about that growth there on your neck. Is that uh, is that metastasized? Or would you say is that just benign? Because really, it looks like something you should get checked out. Yeah. yeah. Does this does this mole on my neck look uh, abnormal to you? <laughs> it's suspicious to you. It. Well, I wonder sometimes when you're in one of those conversations and you're going about it almost programmatically, but then you find, I don't know. Sometimes I find myself un- unironically enjoying small talk. Yeah. Like you're like, well, we moved here from St. Louis, and you're like, oh, so you ever have those toasted raviolis? How are those? And then you find yourself in it, and you're like, wait, I'm not pretending. I actually want to know if they enjoy those toasted <laughs> raviolis. What does this mean? I think as long as it doesn't get too – I've had small talk. Uh, I feel like small talk that I – the people that I see, I guess, on a more regular basis almost, I'm more likely to fall into the more boring small talk. Like when I go to the chiropractor every week, I feel like it's, well, let's talk about the weather. Let's talk about, you know, news stuff. And then it's just at some point, let's just be quiet, you know, <laughs> and which is my favorite part. <laughs> because, you know, when I'm getting a massage at some point, I just want to enjoy it. And, you know, I don't want to have to think of the next thing to say. Less blah, blah, more rub, rub. All right, Cairo boy. <laughs> Yeah, and I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I'll I'll humor it for a little while. Whereas, like at this wedding with complete strangers, I wanted to know their story, so it got more. It wasn't small talk as much as tell me how did you end up? You know, how did you know this person? What did you guys do? Oh, you grew up in Glen Ellen. What was that like? I you know we played a baseball tournament there this year. Like, did you play on this field when you were there? Yeah, that was great. You know, what do you, how'd you end up in California? So it was more of it, the small talk that wasn't just how's the weather. She's much better looking than you. Do you make a lot of money? Yeah, exactly. So how did you how did how did you end up with her? Because she's obviously ten years younger and much better looking than you. Actually, we did have a conversation with somebody who we kind of, you know, got into the how did you guys meet? And and it was the, oh, I was teaching a class that she was in and she asked me out, but I said no. But when she graduated, we started dating. Now, I didn't go. Oh, gosh. And (laughs) so I I assumed it was a college class, not a high school class, but I, I didn't, you know, I want to, I didn't want to incriminate anybody. So I did, I let it go at that. So at first she turned me down, but then after nap time, she came around. (laughs) So yeah, you learn interesting things about people. You don't be afraid to small talk. That's my advice to, to the young ones out there, you know, (laughs) and, and, and I, I found, here's what I liked about it. I just kept asking them questions about themselves. Like, and you know, if it, if it got to something about me or whatever, and they asked, I'd answer it. But then eventually I would just ask them the next question and let them talk. And they loved it. And I just kind of, I got the nod and, you know, every once in a while there'd be something I could interject with. But um, typically I just kind of would ask them about themselves. Yeah. I mean, when you straight up just interview somebody, yeah, they always love you and they say you're such a great listener. But, you know, you and I both talk a lot as part of what we do for a living and what we do for hobbies. And uh, sometimes on weekends, I I just don't want to say where I work again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. So maybe it takes the pressure off of you and you still seem like 
you still seem like a guy, an engaging guy, without mm-hmm. ever having to sit there and, you know, try to make yourself sound interesting. Right. Say, hey, why don't you tell me your favorite story from college? And I'm just going to chew this prime rib. <laughs> hey, there was prime rib there. Ah. And at the end of the night, after everyone had dessert, like that last hour of the reception, they put out like soft pretzel bites and beer cheese. It was so good. Hey. I love when a wedding thinks to put out those extra things because you know that that last hour of the wedding, all you're craving is a cheeseburger. Right. You know? Yeah. When like late, like the drunken pizzas arrive and stuff at a Mm. wedding, you know, you're, you're being taken care of. Yes. And that was definitely the drunken pizza of the wedding because, first of all, it was pretzel, soft pretzel. So it will absorb, you know, some alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it was beer cheese, so you had that. And Salty. Uh, it was salty. And there was still a table full of cupcakes. Wow. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. It was good. It was a good night. Although we brought cupcakes home for the next day because they had – actually, I saw the bride as we were getting ready to leave. I'm like, you know what made my night tonight? When I looked at the cupcake table and I saw that there was a big pile of to-go containers next to the cupcakes. Oh, so you didn't even have to, like, no, wrap you a didn't napkin have to, like, sneak and squish it. them in your wife's no, purse. No, they wanted you to take cupcakes home with you. Uh, but the real bummer was the next morning we got up and the cupcakes were covered in ants. Wait, did you sleep in the woods? No, they, somehow we had ants in our house and we that... left the cupcakes on the countertop. And the ants. I think there were already ant eggs in the cupcakes. And they all hatched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a mean trick. All right, these greedy jerks are going to take all our cupcakes. Let's see how they like eating baby ants. Uh, it was the most disappointing thing to happen. Oh, I'm so uh, sorry. On Saturday, it was finding out that we didn't get to eat. And there were these gi- giant, like, gourmet cupcakes. One was a peanut butter cup one. I had, like, That's a lemon custard, like a lemon meringue. Uh, I just can't even talk about it, really. It's, lemon, you know what? Lemon's out of control. Uh, I got a call baloney on this lemon phenom. Even Portillo sent me an email today that was like, lemon season's almost over. I'm like, take your lemons. Like, I have no interest in lemons. Lemons are for cleaning your bathroom and like spritzing in some seltzer. Like, So you're, you're starting to get the same hate for lemons that you do for uh, pumpkin spice or what? Well, pumpkin. Pump- I don't know if it's quite that ubiquitous because it's not like there's lemon... Captain Crunch and lemon Pop-Tarts, but I'm (laughs) noticing lemon cupcakes and cakes everywhere. They're refreshing. I don't want refreshment for my dessert. That's what Kelly tells me, because I always say that I want like a sorbet or something fruity, and she's like, I need chocolatey chocolate. I'm like, okay, then let's have this chocolate with, uh, you know, some cherries in it, like some kind of mixture. And she's like, no, chocolate with chocolate on it. <laughs> and she wins, but I mean, uh, I guess if you're saying you want a little, you want a little balance, and you want some sort of, uh, you know, raspberry coolest. Uh, How do you pronounce that word? Cooley? I've only seen it in print. Cooley. Cooley? Wait, yeah. really? I think like a, so. A road worker? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's, <laughs> but I think it's that. Yeah, like huh. Cooley. But also, so like, I think it's also a dirty word in 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 Italian, but in like Sicilian Italian, right? Yeah, but, doesn't. Uh, doesn't Ingalls' wife say? Yeah, she refers to a butt as coolie. But I, th- I always thought coolie meant the, the front part. Yeah, the front butt. <laughs> the front butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, a- ants and the cupcakes. You don't like lemon. 
Yeah, everybody miss us? You guys miss the show? <laughs> <laughs> Not enough front butt talk for you, huh? <laughs> so, planes to catch and bills to pay. I got a question, and by the time this airs, uh, I will have made my decision, and the die will have been cast, and uh, Schrodinger's cat will be alive or dead. But uh, I'm trying to make an executive decision for something on Wednesday. We're recording this on a Monday. Uh, Paul McCartney, perhaps you've heard of him. Once or twice. Mm-hmm. Used to be in a little band called the Dave Clark Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is coming to Chicago on Tuesday night. And, you know, it's one of these baby boomer prestige concerts where the con- the tickets are $700 a piece, right? Mm. And they, they sell out in one minute. So he did this Tuesday show. I tried to buy tickets for my parents. It was sold out in five minutes. All the tickets were a fortune. No luck. Well, then they added a night. This is out in Tinley Park. Oh, yeah. They added on Wednesday. And it never fully sold out. There was lawn seats available for a song and single expensive tickets throughout the park. So the other night it like came up on my Facebook and I went, I'm just going to buy a package of lawn tickets. Mm-hmm. And my wife has to work and she seems comfortable with that. Like I think her concert going days are behind her. <laughs> and she said, I'm going to work. Uh, and I said, well, I'm going to bring my parents. And But I bought a four pack of tickets. Yeah. And I thought... You know, I would just this weekend I was at a party and everybody was having a conversation about what was their first concert that your parents brought you to and the first concert you chose to go to. And some people had cool answers and some people had hilariously embarrassing answers. And I thought I could make Viva's first concert be Beatle Paul. Yeah. And then that will always have been her first concert. And I'll go with my folks and go with her. And, like, the Beatles is as close to religion as we have in my family. Mm-hmm. Well, that and Catholicism. But mostly the Beatles. Yeah. And they're, you know, more relatable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so Melissa says, are you really going to bring her to lawn seats at Tinley? It's like the concert starts at almost her bedtime. It's far away. She's not going to be able to see. She's not going to know half the songs. She's not going to enjoy it. And I said, I don't know that I care. Yeah. Like, it's not for her now. Well, it's to take one picture of her with my folks at yeah. this concerts and for her to say that she that was her first concert. Because Paul McCartney might not be alive for the next go around. He's what, 75, 76? Yeah. I think you do it. I think you do it. I think you get her, um, you know, get her like. Uh, prepped for the day whether that means i don't know some downtime or something early you know uh and then get her you know get her ready for this concert get her excited for it play some music for because you know there'll be some beatles songs that she'll know i know you've played beatles Most for beatles songs plus she's a huge wings fan <laughs> they play Venus Mars, she's gonna be on her feet <laughs> yeah well there's that and then there was his rockabilly uh period that he went through I'm sure, um, little run devil run, run devil run. I'm sure she'd appreciate that. She so. loves the theme to Vanilla Sky. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, I, I think you do. I mean, if you got if you got nothing else that you want to do with that extra ticket, take her. It's I think the lawn seats are a better option because you it's easier to wander with her. Yeah, if she, I've seen Paul McCartney concert before because remember I did those concerts. My buddy mm-hmm. Tim got in as a dancer, as an extra in a few McCartney concerts in the early two thousands around New York. So like, it's going to be that same concert again. It'll be wonderful. But frankly, if she freaks out and she needs to be walked around, I need to go buy her something or whatever. I just will. 
Yeah. You just walk Oaks around, you get her. They can watch, you know, they can sit there and like meditate on maybe I'm amazed and mm-hmm. I'll take her around. Do you know the uh, original members of Wings only had three people that were the same the whole time? And it was Paul McCartney, Linda McCartney, and Denny Lane. Denny Lane is in my ears and in my eyes. Denny Lane is in my band. So, uh, anyway, uh, even I think even Paul McCartney has admitted that Wings was pretty bad, right? Yeah, he has. It was just a vanity project and a chance for him and his wife and the kids to fly around, right? Yeah. Like, because he can him to not have to argue with John and George about stuff. Mm-hmm. It was the seventies. You get everyone gets a pass on their bad music in the seventies. Sure. Um, I think you do it for sure. I think you do it for sure. I think there'll be enough Beatles songs that she'll um, recognize. And I think during the ones you know during when he decides to play a non-Beatles song, you know when he throws in a Wings, can you find out? From because this is a tour, right? He's done this show. Oh, so the last set he was probably the same set, yeah. Yeah. So can you look up his set list and maybe even? Oh maybe yeah. Kind of see. I mean, what's the name of this tour? Is this tour like the? It's called one on one. So I don't know if he's going to come out and sit on a stool and sing "Live and Let Die Unplugged" or what. Oh. Yeah, that's true. One on one could be even better because maybe I bet you get more Beatles. One on one set list. Paul McCartney came right up, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. What is that place called now? The uh... it changes names all the time. I think it's called the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater now. But it was the World and the Tweeter and the many things. Set list: Hard Day's Night, Jet, Junior's Farm, Can't Buy Me Love, Got to Get You Into My Life, Drive My Car, Uh, Day Tripper, Let Me Roll It. I mean, this is a- love me do, and I love her. Blackbird, Lady Come Madonna, on. Eleanor Rigby. I want to be your man for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Obla di obla da. Band on the run. Back in the USSR. Let it be. And and it ends with Hey Jude. On oh, look at the encore. Yesterday, Saint Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Arts Club. Oh, they do Hi 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 Wings song. Um, yeah, nineteen hundred and eighty-five. Carry that weight and the end. Do 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 do. Is he going to end with the end? Come on. You can't tell me I'm going to just deny that of my five-year-old. He's going to end uh, with the end. He's going to do Hey Jude. He's going to do Hey yeah. Jude. She already knows the nanas. She sings it every time we see a tribute band. Yeah. Let it be. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, what? The Rihanna and Kanye West and Paul McCartney cover of Four or Five Seconds? What oh, weird. What is that? Oh, I guess I didn't. That's a pretty awful song, but I'll take it. You know, I, and I got to admit, this is there's a little bit of precedent to my concern that we not miss this. Uh, you recall, and it was it 2003, 2004? Um, I was walking by the, uh, gosh, what, oh, the Oak Room in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and Cy Coleman, the composer who wrote Sweet Charity, oh, yeah. and, Barnum, and City Barnum, of Angels, yeah. a lot of Sinatra songs, Witchcraft. Uh, he was playing at the Oak Room, and. Uh, so I called to uh, see how much tickets were, and it was expensive. There was like a $60 ticket, a $40 cover, and a two-drink minimum. So I knew it would be 150 bucks for me to see this show, and so I didn't do it. And he finished the show that night, and he went upstairs to his room, and he dropped dead on the floor. Oh, no. Right? And uh, last summer, just about this time last summer, 
I was going to take Viva to Wizard World Comic Con mm-hmm. at O'Hare. Uh, and there were Carrie Fisher VIP passes where for 300 bucks you could get your picture taken and meet Carrie Fisher. And I thought, eh, I'll get it next time around. <laughs> oh, no. No. So it seems like it would be an extremely bad idea for me to skip Paul McCartney with her, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. we got to do this. Yeah. I got a lot of, I got to tell you, I got a lot of grief for it this weekend. Like a lot of moms were like, you are making the wrong choice. Nah, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. Do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't think that she should turn six until she's seen a live uh, performance of uh, uh, Junior's Farm. And then that way, after he finishes the end and gets in his tour bus and, you know, goes to the hotel or to the private jet and, you know, passes away peacefully in his sleep, you'll be able to say that Viva was at his final concert. Yep. And I will have no regrets. <laughs> and the love that we take will be equal to the love that we make? Huh? Huh? <laughs> hey, folks, you already shop on Amazon. Why not put those dollars to work keeping this show on the air? Do it by using the Amazon portal on the support page at paternitypodcast.com. And you know what? We just paid our bills for the year. We paid our hosting and we paid our website. Uh, and thanks to some kind donors who gave uh, money on our uh, on our donation page via PayPal at paternitypodcast.com, we were able to pay those bills. But money is tight in the old coffers of the paternity test. Uh, so we really use your dough to keep this show going. And if you want to do that, hey, if you can donate to us, please do that. That's the most efficient way for us to pay for the show. Uh, but if you don't, if you if you don't have that kind of scratch, I bet you're buying stuff on Amazon already. Buy it through our support page. Go to paternitypodcast.com. Click on the Amazon banner. Amazon will open up. You do your shopping. You don't pay extra. You don't sign up for anything. Amazon knows you came through that portal. They send us a portion of their profits, and we use that to pay. For the show, it was just Prime Day, and Todd, I don't know what kind of gadgets you bought, but we went, uh, what do you call it, Amazon Siri. Uh, oh, the uh, Alexa, or whatever that's we, called. We, the down Easter Alexa all over the place. We got big Alexas, we got little circle little circle Alexas that look like a stick it to them with stick ups. So you're uh, going to be putting one in every room? Oh yeah, we're putting them we're going to have them uh installed subcutaneously uh now, all over the place. What will what will she be able to control besides like playing music for you? You're telling you what the weather is. The baby just likes to um play music. Mm-hmm. She loves to call out hey Alexa, play 1985 by Wings and then it plays. What um, happens when Alexa mishears something your daughter asks for as, like, porn? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, right. It just starts playing, like, uh, uh, you know, Knock If You Buck by Crime Mob or something? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, somehow she misunderstands a title, and next thing you know, it's it's F this, F that. Drop it. Yeah. <laughs> Banana Phone by Rafi. Now playing My Neck, My Back. <laughs> so, yeah, can, if you can, you set up Alexa just never to assume you're gonna talk about. You're never gonna. You're never gonna request 
porn or explicit uh, songs. Is there a – they haven't arrived yet because they're all in back order, but are they on uh, – is there a parental control? There must be. There must be. Because I'm sure – I know that there's been other – there's been instances where kids have been able to call up um, adult things on their uh, – you know, through their Amazon devices by – you know, mostly through being misunderstood. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Say the wrong title. Uh, you know, Mr. Belvedere, and they thought you're... Yeah, I looked up what uh, what a Mr. <laughs> Belvedere is on uh, the Urban Dictionary, and whoop, curled my toes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't want to... You got to put a drop cloth down before you do a Mr. Belvedere. Yeah. And it's be not just... just the China that's going to be streaks on. <laughs> well, I, what I'm worried about is that, do you know that all Alexas are, what do you call them, Echoes, are, uh, they're walkie-talkies? What? No. They're like little phones. They're little cans on strings. And her little boyfriend has a, a, an echo in his room. So she can just say, hey, Alexa, I want to talk to Ethan right now. And boop, wakes him up and they start talking. Hmm. Yeah, that's not good. That's I not almost good. bought the video one for my wife, but I feel like it's unproven. I didn't even know it existed until Prime Day. There's a video uh, echo or whatever yep, they're called. Yeah, the new echo show, and it's got a screen on it. And you can be like, hey, Alexa, show me a YouTube of being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. And up it comes. Yeah. And that's a, probably also when you could get in trouble. Like, you got to watch what kind of videos uh, you can pop can... up. Right. Exactly. Uh, you can program these to do all your stuff, like run your house. You can turn your house into a spaceship that will kill you. You can hook it up to your thermostat. For well, instance. yeah. So you can do in, in, the Internet of Things, right? So I've never, I've, I've never had an Internet of Things device in my house. You know, like a Wi-Fi connected uh, microwave. Uh, but I did buy, and uh, again, you know, Prime Day, I was looking for for deals. I got a Nest thermostat, and it, so it's a Wi-Fi connected thermostat. Uh, it was a great deal. Otherwise, I have no reason to buy it. But what I really liked about it is the ability to, uh, you know, turn my temperature up or down when I'm not home. So if I, like, if we're gone on a trip for a weekend and I have the temperature up and it's like an 82 in the house and a couple hours before we get back, I can go online and on my phone and turn that down to back to the normal 75 and cool it off. Um, but that's just I'm very surprised that you weren't an early adopter of the Internet of Things. Yeah, I feel like that's also it just opens you up to issues. I don't know. Everything's uh, once everything's connected, everything's hackable, right? As soon as you're on, you know, you're fully on the grid like that. All right, Vladimir Putin's going to be changing the temperature in your house. I know. He's been waiting. He, that's that's really what all this is about. Is he wants to control my thermostat? Finally, I have Todd right where I want him. <laughs> He will be sleep very uncomfortably tonight, comrades. <laughs> how do you, how do you think, uh, how do you think Trump's going to get all those cold job back, cold jobs back? You know, he's going right. to keep cranking up the heat in my house over the winter. <laughs> we need more coal. <laughs> the nuclear grid will not cover the temperature of Todd's house. Trust me. Ask anybody. <laughs> he likes it very warm. So yeah, he likes it's it tremendously hot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so if anyone wants to hack my thermostat, um, you know, you could really start to screw with me. That's uh, the most boring show on the Discovery Channel. Hack my thermostat. <laughs> <laughs> Todd's temperature was previously set at 75. We've <laughs> been able to set it all the way to 79. 
<laughs> Let's watch. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I should be wearing a linen shirt instead of this heavier <laughs> cotton shirt. Yeah, this, I guess there's not a lot. But but I don't know. What else could you – anything with the camera connected is what scares me. So there's no camera on my thermostat. So I feel okay. But I – like you mentioned this, the Alexa show me. Well, you're going to be show me everybody, you know, everyone on the dark web, whatever's going on in your house at all times. It's true. Cameras are already more hackable than we give them credit for. Oh, absolutely. I feel like my phone is always watching me. Sears, it is, and and it's it's laughing. It's making fun of you with the other phones. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, this guy. Well, have you noticed on on the latest update of Facebook, I don't know if you're the latest update of Facebook on your phone, but they want to be Snapchat, right? So now they have a Mm -hmm. Snap thing. So as I'm swiping up, like going through my news feed, if I at all swipe up and to the right a little bit, it takes me to that screen where you can take a photo, uh, you know, to snap a story basically, right? You know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes. Mm-hmm. Except that that always happens to me when I'm on the toilet. And I'm like, did I – wait a minute. Did I take a picture? Because right. I'm swiping up to go through my news feed, and as soon as I swipe up and to the right a little bit, I get I all of a sudden I see myself in my phone and I don't know whether or not I've already taken something and put it out there and I'm trying to figure out if there's a post of me sitting on the toilet looking at my phone. Uh, uh and uh and I'm yeah. uncomfortable with that. They made that way too uh, easy to get it, to. Right. It's uh well Viva's been running around the house with all our iPads and iPhones and the other day she thought it would be hilarious to take pictures of us coming out of our respective showers <laughs> and you know that phone and that ipad is connected could instantly send that picture to three thousands of my closest friends yes yeah you're, you're right there uh so the idea that also the refrigerator can do it uh and the lawnmower and you know the the, the vase in the center of the table it, it does seem like accidents will happen yeah so i'm trying to figure out what internet of things things i would want to have controllable and Beyond the thermostat, uh, you know, I don't want my door locks controllable that way. As as convenient it would be as it would be to, you know, use my smartphone app to unlock my front door. I don't want everyone to be able to do that, and I feel like that's getting. Get I was locked out of my house this year because uh, the battery died in the card swiper in mm-hmm. my robot robot door, and I didn't have like instead of carrying a tiny flat piece of metal in my pocket that opens the door like mankind has been doing since the Bronze Age. I, you know, was very yeah. excited about having a key card and then a dead double-A battery locked me out of my house. So... That just seems like poor engineering, though. Mo internet, mo problems, right, yeah. she told me. It's true, it's true. I so, know Sears stock went through the roof this this week because they've decided to put uh, Alexa in everything they sell. In oh. Internet of Things, everything. Internet of Things, the toasters, Internet of Things, the microwaves. So you'll just tell Alexa to make your toast, but you've already got to put, you've got to put the bread in there. So what, you're not going to have to push the thing down now? Or she'll tell okay. you when it's ready? I don't know. Yeah. Alexa's going to need arms pretty soon because you're like, uh, Alexa, I want cheese fondue, but who's putting the cubes in the pot? Yeah, so I, I'm I'm trying to figure out how far I'm going to let Internet of Things go in my house. I mean, you know, I already worry that my Xbox Connect is always staring at me on the couch, mm-hmm. and uh, 
and you know I've already given my thermostat to Putin, so I'm not sure how much further I'm willing to go. I would not do Internet of Things your toilet. No, no matter how tempted you are to get the e toilet. Yeah, well, if it's got a built-in spray, a built-in right. bidet spray nozzle. Um, you know, anyone who wants to Alexa, hack my toilet, irrigate my bunch. <laughs> now that's a that's a, that's a command I can get into. <laughs> you know, that's useful. And if someone wants to hack my toilet, I mean, if there's a camera connected to it. That's their fault. Right, Alexa, Snapchat my taint. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, maybe, yeah. Oh. I would love, I always felt like I would be the guy who would want to be able to tell Alexa to do all the, my stuff for me. But I found that it's often just easier to do it myself. You know? I spend more time trying to get them to understand what I'm saying you know, we uh, especially Siri on the on the iPhone. You know, uh, uh, Kelly was trying to say something to Siri the other day. I think she's trying to find out how long a certain store was open. And after like four attempts of Siri completely misunderstanding her or just saying, "I found this near you," and it has no information, she you know she just looked it up herself, and it was much faster. Mm-hmm. So uh, I you can't get good cybernetic help these days. No. No, but the problem is, by the time it is good enough, it will probably be like scary AI that you you know you're afraid it's going to uprise on you. Mm-hmm. The yeah. robot uprising. Siri, take me home. No, no, no. <laughs> Taking you to the Silent Green Factory instead. <laughs> If you like the paternity test, please help us tell other people about it. Subscribe on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any new episodes. And while you're there, why don't you leave us a review? It's very quick, it's very easy, and it's a great way to help new listeners find us. You know, I don't believe it, but I've been hearing some major podcasts once again pushing on the please leave us a review because it changes the way you fall in searches and the way you're Googleable and the way uh, you're just more people are likely to have our podcast thrust upon them if you leave us a review. So if you haven't, uh, do, I guess. And who doesn't want us thrust upon them? <laughs> Other than our wives? <laughs> they probably hey, the last, the, the, the last one. That they tell me, go thrust yourself on someone else, will you? <laughs> <laughs> You've got Alexa in that couch over there. Thrust yourself on her. <laughs> you can also read our weekly paternity test blog at chicagoparent.com and our monthly column Viva Daddy in Chicago Parent Magazine available wherever strollers have built-in cell phone chargers that's a thing now you know really and the new cell phone the new strollers the new $1000 strollers the back wheels uh-huh. charge a battery and oh battery. so you don't have to like charge your stroller i was just going to say who's going to remember to charge their stroller when they get home so they can power their phone later but the stroller has a built-in generator. Yep. That's insane. Mm, it's got, like, step counters. Like, they now have a monitor on it. Mm-hmm. Probably got Alexa in them. You can say, Alexa, raise my child. Oh, my gosh. So, um, speaking of Chicago Parent, you were just at uh, Taste of Chicago, right? Yeah. Uh, Chicago Parent uh, and the Field Museum. Uh, mm-hmm. Jurassic World, the exhibit at the Field Museum. 
uh, sponsored an enormous area at the Taste of Chicago called Kids Eat Chicago. And <laughs> if you're <laughs> really terrifying, you're tearing down the Ferris wheel, and just grabbing people and murdering them in tiny bites. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kids Eat Chicago, and it was bouncy houses and climbing walls from Brooklyn Boulders and. Uh, Chicago Fire had a soccer clinic area and, you know, all kinds of stands with Apple Go-Go squeezes and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then an entertainment stage. And I emceed the entertainment stage. Uh, and if you are a Chicago and you probably think Taste of Chicago, I hate Taste of Chicago and I haven't been there in 20 years. And I don't blame you because it's what, kind of a miserable experience. That's what most people say about Taste of Chicago these yes. days. Like, oh, Taste of Chicago, isn't that dead just, yet? Right, hot. Expensive, miserable. All the food is from uh, caterers from Northwest Indiana. You can't sit down. There's no bathrooms, and your kids are bored. And I gotta tell you, the kids eat Chicago thing. This is the first year, and it was clearly a big success. Uh, it makes it feasible and even mm-hmm. appealing to go to the taste. Really? Uh, and I went. Um, yeah, I went. Uh, there was a lot of cooking because it was Taste of Chicago. Mm-hmm. There were cooking demos, so in the morning. Uh, Stephen Dunn from Volo uh, was giving a cooking demonstration. I was really excited. I'm like, oh, I love this guy. I love his restaurants. I, I want to meet the celebrity chef. But I've never interviewed celebrity chefs before. And uh, I had to kind of do the like morning show, the dinosaur show thing with some of these chefs where I'd say like, oh, I see you have uh, an egg. How's that work? That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so knives. So what do you what do you do with a knife exactly? And uh, he got there and he was like, hey, and I wasn't the stage manager. Mm-hmm. I was just the talking head, right? Yeah. I was just going to read bios and hype a little bit and then walk back off the stage. But he says, hey, where's the demonstration mirror? And I said, what, what are you talking about? He's like, there should be a giant mirror over my head at a 45 degree angle. Yeah. So that people can see what I'm doing because I'm giving a, you know, I'm in, I'm in a festival and I'm cooking in one frying pan. So how are they going to see what I'm doing? And he was super nice about it. But I was like, oh, dude, uh, I don't know. And nobody from Chicago Parent or the Field Museum had done Mm -hmm. a a cooking demo before. There's no handler around, right? Right. So somebody, I don't know who who should have caught that, if it was the taste, if it was us, it was, I I don't know. But he was totally chill about it. And there was a microphone issue, too. So they they ran out and got, there were no lavaliers when we got there. Mm -hmm. Um, So somebody went and ran and got lavaliers. But in the meantime, we had to, like, awkwardly set wireless mics near people's mouth holes while they try yeah. to cook using both hands. So he, he did a great job and he, he starts breaking down and he says, uh, Hey, um, later in the day, um, th- there were more chefs coming. So he starts breaking down and he says, Hey man, uh, look, uh, Paul Kahn from the publican restaurants is coming later today. He says, he's really going to want that mirror. You should probably see if you can get that mirror before he gets here. And I said, oh, thanks, man. And he went away. He's really kind. And I thought, oh, is that code that Paul Kahn is going to murder us? Like, you mm-hmm. think of celebrity chefs, right? And you think that they're doing coke through a penne and screaming <laughs> at people and throwing them out the door. And I thought, what if this guy gets here and just completely, like, hell's kitchen's on me? Yeah. Uh, and so I'm trying to distance myself. I'm like, look, will someone go in the green room tent and tell the chefs that there's no mirror? Because, uh, you know, I don't want to be responsible for this now. Um Spoilers, the mirror arrived before any more chefs oh. came. Um, double spoilers, Paul Kahn came and was completely nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
and was very patient and was doing oh, he had demos a mirror. for kids. What's that? He had a mirror. He had a mirror. Maybe it would have been not nice if he uh, if the mirror hadn't been. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, we provided the the nicest cocaine in the in the green room tent. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, he was he was totally chill. Uh, but I spent the day sort of like tense that that celebrity chefs were going to come in and murder me. The other thing that happened was that uh, uh, one the the field museum had a larger than life size or maybe life size but very large Velociraptor oh. that was like a warhorse kind of gigantic puppet. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, while a chef was giving a demo on the stage, the dinosaur would come by and steal the audience. Oh, like just to build up, you know, uh, several dozen people watching the chef. Mm-hmm. An enormous dinosaur would walk by, and everybody would rush over to pet the dinosaur, oh, no. leaving like a sad, dejected chef up to his elbows in, you know, cooked kale and uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and no fresh audience. mozzarella. Yeah. Oh, um, but Viva came. And uh, I never know with her when she's going to be a ham and when she's going to chicken out. Mm-hmm. And at one point she was doing a, a demo with Paul Kahn and she tasted some things and talking to the microphone. And then she like got bored and wandered off the stage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at one point I was between acts. I was an- announcing and she ran up and she just ran up on the stage <laughs> and was standing by me. So I threw a couple of questions. It was almost like a ventriloquist act. You know, mm-hmm. I threw a couple of softball questions to her and then i said there's uh hey there's the chicago fire here with soccer for kids and she grabs the mic she pulls it down and she says what's the chicago fire and i said oh they're our local soccer team and she pulls the mic down she says no 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 not that chicago fire the other chicago fire and I, i'm like we're doing a band here we're doing vaudeville yeah <laughs> so it was a big fire and it burned down this whole area and and she said, I know a song about it. Like, she wanted me to cue her up to sing a song. Oh. And I said, okay, sing your song. And she takes the mic, and she walks to the edge of the stage, and she sings Hot Time in the Old Town Tonight. What? Acapella for the crowd. Did she just have that in her back pocket ready to go? Evidently, she's got a whole shtick. She's got a 20-minute set. <laughs> So then uh, you just became her straight man then, huh? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I was like, who is that lady with you? Uh, I, I saw you with the other night. She said, that was no lady. That was my mommy. <laughs> Only well, I will be, I will say for people listening right now, set your DVRs because I will be returning to ABC Studios to Windy City Live on August 7th. Oh, yes. Uh, and I don't know if I can talk about what I'm doing yet, but uh, oh. uh, ABC saw the the cooking demo, some of the, some of the stuff online that I was doing at Taste of Chicago, and they said, uh, we have a food-related bit we'd like you to come do. Nice. So uh, uh, you will see me doing my – they're at 1, 1 p.m. now, so it's not even my morning show shtick. But, uh, but, uh, oh, that's right, because they, they move later now. Is that right? They, yep. It's not yep. a morning show anymore. It's an afternoon right. show. 1 p.m. So uh, set the DVRs, 1 p.m., August 7th. Windy City Live, ABC7 Chicago. Uh, and if you're not in the Chicagoland area, uh, you will be able to find that at paternitypodcast.com or at our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And uh, come see what I'm up to. Oh, man, I can't wait. I don't even know what you're doing. I'm going right? to have uh, to. Before we started. so I'm out of the loop on this. You're going to laugh. It's going to be fun. Social media isn't just clap for clap, clapping clap, between clap, words clap. 
It's also for us. Like our page on Facebook, share our posts and follow us on Pinterest, on Instagram at the Paternity Test, and on Twitter at the Dad Test. And hey, if you want to, uh, if you miss Dave Engel and you want to get some of his comedy, you should follow him on Instagram. His Instagram is David Engel, D-A-V-I-D-E-N-G-E-L. And it is where he puts these videos of Dave and the Weasel mornings on 105.7 The Curve. And it's a puppet (laughs) show that he makes. Uh, about a morning zoo program, and he's got, oh, there's probably at least a dozen clips on his Instagram. Uh, it, it takes a couple to get its feet under it, but then they're so damn funny. So really, if you want to have a good hard laugh in, in short increments, uh, check out David Engel on uh, Instagram. You will not regret it. And you can also send us a question or a comment for the Paternity Test Mailbag. You can email us at paternitypodcasts at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at our phone number, 657-BAD-DADS. And now it's time for talking to your kids about relationships on TV because the kisses are hers and hers and his. Oh, man. So (laughs) I always thought as a kid that when I first saw Three's Company and that opening theme that there was some that show was about a like a, a three-way relationship as much as he I didn't realize till later when I actually watched the show that you know as much as he tried he was never gonna close that deal right but yeah, he tried a couple it? times didn't he oh uh, yeah he seemed he to try it with... quite a bit right yeah he floated it in a comedic way but you know yeah. the subtext was uh, anytime you ladies are ready <laughs> that's right um so this summer uh, you know my kids have gotten uh, decided that they're uh i think they've gotten sick of the normal tv shows that they would watch ellie's i think getting to the point where the disney channel just doesn't do it for her anymore getting burnt out on uh the descendants too yeah there's just not there's just only so much jesse even an 11 year old can take so somehow uh some of her friends started getting into uh friends like the sitcom Friends. So really? both of my kids, both Alex and Ellie, decided they were going to binge watch all 10 seasons of Friends. Wow. And they did it. From the I don't time, think I could even do that. They did it from the time. Well, they, keep in mind, you've seen, you've probably seen most episodes of Friends just through it being on TV all the time. Right. Osmosis. It's just like yeah. on demonstration TVs as you walk past an appliance store. And they've seen odd, you know episodes here and there but to them it was all new so they mm-hmm. you know they they turned it on and they started it from season one episode one and they watched Cole Sprouse is uh emo Jughead or Zach and Cody to them not uh Ben Geller mm-hmm yeah I don't even know if they realized that that was him right that that was Zach and Cody kid um so they watch, they binge watch all 10 seasons of Friends, you know, between, and keep in mind that they were, they're done. Like, they finished it, and they started this, whenever our last podcast was, they, I don't think they'd even started it yet. So they got through 10 seasons of Friends in a, in a short amount of time, and it was basically the only thing that was ever on. Now, there were, I was conflicted about this, because, uh, you know, the subject matter can occasionally get a little more adulty and sexual. I recall an episode fairly early on before it turned into just a mess of like Phoebe's triplets and people getting married who shouldn't and, and celebrity cameos when, uh, 
uh, gosh, I can't remember their names now. Rachel and Monica both ran to the bathroom in their apartment to mm-hmm. fight over the last prophylactic in the medicine cabinet. Yeah. One of them was going to pork Magnum, and mm-hmm. I don't know who the other one was porking. But I thought, oh, my God. This Fabio like... or whatever the guy. Or, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> was it the Italian guy? Yeah. Uh, that, I feel like, was a new level of uh, frankness mm-hmm. on primetime television to show. Yes. And, and it's so, you know, the the sex in your 20s theme carries throughout all the seasons you know especially with the joey stuff or whatever and so here was my here was my conflict um there might have been some stuff that was a little mature but for the most part they got the comedy they thought it was funny and they liked you know they got you know they liked the characters uh and to me it was like well the alternative is like bad Disney Channel sitcoms. So, yeah, I'm going to let them watch Friends so that if something's going to be on in the background, at least it'll be that and not, you know... Dog with a blog. Dog with a blog. So I let it go. So but so then that's over. Like, they get through that, and Alex starts to binge watch. Um, oh, I tell him, like, look, I said, Alex, you should binge watch Arrested Development because you'll like that. He's 14. Oh, yeah. And he did, although he agreed that the Netflix season was a bit funky. Mm. He wasn't on board with the Netflix season. Um, but he watched the other seasons. He thought it was hilarious. My daughter didn't really watch that. But then now they're both watching all nine seasons of How I Met Your Mother. And that's even, I think, more, even that gets even more uh, uh, provocative than Friends did. Because you got Barney really? constantly like, well, yeah, because the Neil Patrick Harris character is constantly trying to, you know, uh, nail every woman in the show, you know. Right. There's always that Dan Fielding character that's constantly on the make. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The 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 uh, Larry, right? Yeah, Larry the neighbor. Larry the neighbor uh, from Three's Company. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there's two stewardesses in town from Sweden tonight, Jack. <laughs> meet you down at the regal beagle you better be there so uh so so now they're binge watching that but i feel like they're getting this uh at least both of my kids because alex is still you know f14 it's funny because i was talking to another parent about this not long ago i feel like kids have more access to like sex online than you know we ever had like kids on their phones or whatever they could look up i would say that kids today have a lot more access to sex online well not just online but like in general but just in general like we had to work much harder if we were trying to find something we had to go to the woods and find a burn barrel filled with (laughs) pornography yes we couldn't just ask alexa to show it on the refrigerator but the (laughs) exactly but the the difference is we, as the parent I was talking to, both, we both agreed that even though they seem to have more access to it, easier access to it, they seem to be doing less at our age, at their age, than we did at their age, physically with other people. You know what I mean? Like with their girlfriend or boyfriend. Because they're never actually together. Like my son oh, mm-hmm. might have a girlfriend right now, but their main only communication is through Snapchat. And if they happen to see each other at school, they don't make dates. They don't go hang out at each other's houses. Every weekend, we had plans in junior high, started in junior high, 
uh, it was like, hey, Friday night, we'll go hang at so-and-so's house. And the parents were there, but we'd hang out and, you know, they'd order pizza or something. And, you know, if your boyfriend or girlfriend was there, you'd hold hands and, you know, and maybe look for a time to, like, go kiss somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't happen anymore. They don't hang out anywhere. Well, that makes sexting sound not so bad if it's uh, instead of bumping uglies. Yeah. So and you can't I, get pregnant from sexting, or you can't get that new STD where you have to get a shot of uh, Avisel Garcia uh, <laughs> uh, HPV. Yes. So uh, so anyway, uh, I do think that there's a delayed. They're do, they're they're doing that stuff later than we did, maybe because they're not together as much. I don't know if that's the case or not. If anyone can confirm that, but. Um, I mean, my it's just more to do. My, but more, more to do. But they do less. They do not hang out with each other. They do not all get together. I mean, I think the, you know, the only time my sons ever had like friends over is, I don't know. I think we they had some. He had some over to watch the home run derby or something. You know, no one's getting kissed on, on that night. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's nothing happened. No one's sneaking off to a seven minutes in heaven. You know. When it's just him and his buddies watching uh, the Home Run Derby. Uh, so anyway, but my point is, um, uh, even though that's going on, so I feel like these binge-watching these shows, my kids are learning. This is where they're getting most of their exposure of relationships, right? Like My daughter's exposure to relationships now consists of all the relationships and friends. So it's, you know, Ross and Rachel and... Right. Uh, Chandler and Monica and, you know, Joey sleeping around and Phoebe being weird. And, um, and now how I met your mother, it's, you know, the, she's going to think a regular relationship is Giovanni Rabisi, uh, sleeping with the mom from that 70s show. (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, so should I control the narrative a little bit? Like when, when they're done getting through all nine seasons of how I met your mother, um, (laughs) Should I influence what the next binge watching is? I assume the next thing will be an HBO show, right? It'll be uh, it'll be Sex and the City. Or maybe they'll turn to Showtime and watch Californication. Six next. feet under. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's uh, Dexter. We go binge watch some. <laughs> Need to talk about these relationships. <laughs> so. Healthy relationships involve less dismemberment. <laughs> well, so like. I feel like I'm going to, I want to steer them towards, I think now they've watched two series that, you know, focus very much on like relationships, adult relationships. And I don't want my daughter to feel like this is like, I don't know, kind of pressured that why doesn't she have a boyfriend? I don't know. I think that's kind of weird. So, and I've brought that up a couple of times and, you know, that, and every once in a while it gets a little inappropriate and I'll say, I don't know about this. And I'll try to distract her from a part of an episode that I don't like. Um, <laughs> hey, the house is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I didn't just didn't want to, uh, her to see Rachel hooking up with Tag. <laughs> so, uh, so what should be the next series that I try to make them binge watch? What about something about a strong, independent woman like Rhoda? <laughs> I don't think I can sell that show. And then there's and then there's Maud. And then there's Maud. <sighs> I was kind of thinking like Parks and Rec because it's fairly innocent, and just stupid comedy. I haven't seen all that, but what I saw was pretty pretty wacky and not particularly Sexual. sexy. I'm probably yeah. wrong, but sure seemed like it. 
I need a non-sexy sitcom for them to get into. Jimmy Schmidt? Jimmy Schmidt. Jimmy Schmidt. Oh, Kimmy Schmidt. Nah, I don't know. That might be uh, a little weird for, I don't think my daughter would get into, you know, the quirkiness of that. Be a little far out. Um, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Mary, yeah. Cagney and Lacey. Oh, what? <laughs> Turnwood tonight. I'd love to get them to watch, like, you know, Bob Newhart or something. But Oh, there you go. They can't, uh, that's too slow moving for them, you know? I tried to watch an episode yeah. of Bob Newhart, and even even I got a little bored. Joke density. Jo- Every yeah. decade of shows, the, the jokes <laughs> are more dense. You're right. You stay up till like, 2 in the morning, you watch the Jack Benny program, there's, like, five jokes in a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they just ramp up to them for 10 minutes apiece. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And even Alex pointed out, so he watched the recent Lego Batman movie. And he's like, yeah, we watched Lego Batman. He was with his cousins or something. And he's like, man, he's like, the whole movie was just a series of jokes. Mm-hmm. He's like, all it was was jokes. It was just one right after the other, right after the other. There was no, you know, no real story necessarily. I mean, there's a story to it, but it just seemed like its whole purpose was to set him up and knock him down. Yeah, and it's very funny in the moment. I mean, have you seen mm-hmm. Lego Batman? It's hilarious, but you can't remember any of the jokes because there's so many. It's very fast moving on the jokes. Yeah. Every every line is a joke. Yeah, every line. Every is line a is a is a punchline to a joke, pretty much. Yeah, I think ever since Arrested Development, pretty much it's not set them up and knock them down. It's knock them down and knock them down and knock them down and knock them down. Yeah, that's and a better I, description of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's a sweet? I mean, yeah, it's funny. I was just just binge watch a show on Netflix that is super sweet and good natured, um, but totally inappropriate for kids. I watched Master of None. Uh, and it's that? very explicit about sex, so there's oh, no okay. it's okay for your kids. It's just the the attitude towards things is very, uh, I don't know, just all very sweet and loving, but also dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so part of me doesn't... Gosh, I can't think it. I can't. Um, part of me doesn't mind the... Perfect strangers. The binge watching part of the see the the eighty stuff except for except for Full House. I haven't been able to get them into anything. It's just uh, too far back. That's that far back. Yeah. yeah. Even Friends. Even the beginning of Friends was was a little bit odd, like and super dated because they didn't even have cell phones when Friends started. Right. Right. They, they used pay phones. They used like, pay phones in the first few seasons of Friends before anyone had got a flip phone. Well, what's uh, when Chandler gets locked in the ATM with? Uh, Jill Goodacre. How's he call? Is there a payphone in there, or does he have? A, well, I think a that's big later. And that's later in the later in the in the show okay. where he has a cell phone. You know, we I noticed that my college kids in my screenwriting class. There's so much media now that there's nothing that they could all talk about. Like, there's never any show that all twenty kids watch because there's so many shows. Except for Friends. Like every college kid has been watched Friends, even though they were like. Some of it was before they were born. Yeah. Um, but that's the only lingua franca. And I'm a little, you know, as much as we give young people today crap about not knowing about anything before the minute they were born, they all watch Friends. And that's a long time ago. It was like, I don't think we were binge watching MASH when we were kids. We watched it because it was the only thing on at 10 o'clock. Yeah. But we weren't like, oh, golly, I sure hope Good Times and Archie Bunker is on. Like, we had to watch it if it was on and it was cold <laughs> outside. But we wouldn't, uh, if somebody said, uh, 
hey, you know, good news, tiny Matt and Todd. There's a there's a marathon of uh, the Jeffersons on. I don't think we would have relished watching it end to end, right? I don't think we processed it that way. Like, I just don't think that was on our radar to do anything like that. Mm. You know, we just didn't consume TV like that. Right. If it was a rerun thing, you would just watch when it was on, you know, whatever. Uh, but other than that, everything was appointment TV pretty much. If you were going to watch something, if something was that important, you just were, stayed home. You know? You know, you knew what your Thursday night shows were, and if you wanted to watch them, you were home. Right. And if you missed it, you know, you'd hope that there. Some I remember some some of them would would have a rerun during the week, so you can you know, uh, so that if you missed, you know, you couldn't even record them. So if you missed the one on Monday night, you know, maybe on Friday night they did a rerun of it, and then you could well, catch uh, up again. Like Star Trek: The Next Generation always did that in the late eighties and You're early nineties. Right. Yeah, there was yeah you know. You see, they're coming out with another Star Trek on CBS. Yeah, which means it'll be too slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I watched the trailer, and this actually seemed—I mean, it seemed pretty packed. So we'll have to it see. It looked pretty. It looked the trailer looked great. And the number—I'm I'm hopeful. Number one has something to do with it, doesn't he? Oh, does he? I mean, he directs a lot of things. He directed First Contact, which is like the only good Next Generation movie. So that's funny. That's what people have said that it's it's not only the only good Next Generation movie, but one of the best Star Treks out of all of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've seen it a long time, but it sure as hell the Enterprise, like... like the original ones, you know, out of the Shatner ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he's a producer or a director, but but that he might make an appearance as Riker at some point. What? Which would be wow. which would be pretty cool. Wow. I'd love to see him swing his leg over the back of a chair one more yep. time. A tiny chair. <laughs> tiny chair. I'd tune in for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should tell your kids to binge watch. A six minute supercut of uh, Commander Riker throwing his leg over chairs. <laughs> Here kids, this is all you need to know about relationships. And that's <laughs> And I would rather watch that, I think, than binge watch a sitcom right now. Like, I spend mm. more time watching supercuts of things than <laughs> watching actual shows. So, Ellie, if you can find a man who looks at you the way William Riker's leg looks at a tiny chair, <laughs> you marry that man. <laughs> Folks, it's time for another episode of the Paternity Test to check its kids for West Nile mosquitoes, Lyme disease ticks, and human botfly eyeball parasites. You'll know them because they're crawling out of their eyes. Follow us on Twitter at The Dad Test. Like us on Facebook. Like us on Instagram. And visit our website, paternitypodcast.com, or email us at paternitypodcast at gmail. Dot com. You can catch us Tuesdays at ChicagoParent.com and call our voicemail 657-BAD-DADS. And hey, tell your friends about the show and consider a donation to the show via our PayPal link at ParternityPodcast.com. All right, everybody, remember, if you can't ask Alexa to powder your undercarriage while you're sitting on the toilet, then why do we even have the Internet? And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test. Paternity test. 